Welcome back to Lexi's Lounge, your home for mind, body, business, and marketing. Today we have a familiar face, Mimi. In 2021, Mimi and I did a podcast on the medicinal benefits of mushrooms. But today she's here and we're talking about conscious relationships and trusting your intuition. Guys, this is a really good one. So buckle up, grab your cocktail, and let's get started. Mimi, welcome back to Lexi's Lounge. I'm so happy to have you back. This is, I think, a record for me uh, coming, you know, coming back on someone's podcast. I've made a couple other appearances with other people, been interviewed a couple times, but I think this is a record, the the closest um, return. Yeah. I mean, what, your podcast that we did together on mushrooms was one of the most popular podcasts that I've had. So it's an honor and a pleasure to have you back. As you know, you. we're in a lounge. So what are you drinking today? Um, I have my King coffee next to me. I think that probably was my answer last time as well, but I have at least two to three cups every day. It's, um, and if anyone who's listening, hasn't listened to the other episode that we did, um, it's a reishi spore coffee. So it's a mixture of organic mold-free toxin-free chemical-free coffee, glyphosate free, all that good stuff with the actual spores of the reishi mushroom, which support the body from head to toe. So that's what I have little, uh, little organic soy in there and a little half scoop of Organifi gold for flavor. Ooh, that sounds good. And I'm sure you feel amazing after drinking it too. Oh yeah. It is just, it's, it just like electrifies. It just like activates your cells is what it feels like. Oh my gosh. I need that. Some days I wake up and I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm just here. And then other days it's like amazing, but I feel like I'm starting to get more on your level where it's more of like lifestyle instead of yo-yo dieting. So that's not what we're talking about today. Today we're talking about conscious relationships. So we got an introduction from you for the mushroom queen side of you, but what about the conscious relationship side? Yeah. I mean, this is uh, a long time coming. I will say this isn't something that I just like one day woke up and decided like, I'm going to teach people about relationships because I'm an expert. It was more of like a surrender and an allowing based on my history of my, my partner and our story, which I'm sure we'll get into the depths of that, but it really was, it's felt like six years in the making of dipping down into a relationship and personal hellhole, and then clawing my way out and traversing this grand Canyon of self-development and spiritual and soul work to then get to a place where I feel balanced and, and able and confident to really be in the relationship that I want to create and then actually creating that relationship. And, and I've, I've gotten to this place where now I realize that all that shit that I went through, that we went through was for a purpose, not only my soul's expansion, but also so that I could help other people through similar, um, hardships. So that's kind of in a nutshell. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into more of the details, but it's, it's this new path that I'm taking. It feels new because it's, it's new in that I am sharing it with, you know, groups and a group of women, but it's not new 
to me, I've been on this path for six years now, trying to go deeper into myself and, and call in a deep, healthy, passionate partnership. So that's kind of what I'm about now. Yeah. That, I mean, that's life in general, right? Like that, that's f- having a fulfilling relationship where you can be aware of the way your programming is coming out in your life and being conscious to maybe what they have went through in their life and meeting in the middle and ha- really creating that deep, meaningful relationship. I think that's so important and the work you're doing is going to change lives. So I'm ex- I'm super excited to dive in. Um, and to your point, the fact that you have been through it and this is something that you used to be over here and you got over here because of this journey, you are totally qualified to teach people about it because it's a true lived experience. Like you have been through it yourself. And to go on a slight tangent, I feel like a lot of people in the entrepreneurial space, their ideal clients are the, are the past version of themselves, but we still get faced with that imposter syndrome of like, mm-hmm. well, am I even worthy enough to teach it? But if you've yeah. been through it, you can teach it because you just go through what you have been through and you teach people the roadmap and help them find their own footing. So super excited to talk about this. Um, Let's just start from the beginning. Where, when did this all start? What happened? Oh, so I'll try to give an abbreviated version because we recently did a podcast, a, a couple with my partner, Chase and I, and it was like two hours going deep into the details of what went wrong in our relationship. So I won't, I'll give you the abridged version, but basically, um, so Chase and I were high school. We say childhood. Cause we like literally were children. When we met, we were 15 and started dating at 16, 17. And we went to this small Christian school together. So we were raised in the world of evangelical Christian religion, you know, all of those some of them great values, but also no real tools for healthy relationship. I think, and I I really don't want to step on toes here. This is my lived experience, but I feel like with any sort of religious background, whether it's Muslim or, or Catholic or Jewish or Christian or whatever it is, there is this overarching theme that If you follow the rules, if you love God, if you love insert deity, your, that, that certain deity will bless your relationship or bless your marriage. And we were certainly told that and kind of, it was kind of drilled into us that like, all you need to worry about is just following the rules of our religion and newsflash that doesn't work for a lot of people. And so we got into marriage very young. Um, We were together for six years because we got together so young at 16. We were together six years um, before we got married. And then we were married for three. And so married at 23, 24 years old, um, married for three years. And in those first two years, we really were figuring out that we had nothing figured out. Like our love was very real getting into our relationship or or getting into our marriage. Our love was like the purest, real, like drama-free love that you could ever hope for as a young person. But if you're not one, if you don't have 
great examples for what a healthy, deep partnership looks like, like from your parents or from other family members or grandparents. My family is riddled with divorce. Um, I've had more parents than I can count. And um, Chase's parents are the grind through it type people where you're kind of like, do you guys even like each other? You know, it's not this like flowing, passionate, deep, you know, loving experience. <laughs> and I think a lot of people know what that's like. Like a lot of our parents, I don't know if it's generational where it's like, we're committed to each other and we grind through. Till death do like, us part. <laughs> right, exactly. That's the emphasis, but n- none of the like actual love expression or um, examples of healthy tools and communication, right? So that's kind of where we were at. And the first two years were kind of a blur and um, we got into adulting. I was working as a really busy dental hygienist and Chase was really busy in the whole finance world. So he was in public accounting. So he was traveling five days a week, like three quarters of the year. Oh my. So that's, that was also really hard on a new marriage because we were trying to figure out how do you do this as adults? We had never lived together because that was part of our religion, our, our upbringing that you don't live together before you're married. So a lot of this was very new to us. Um, and we just grew distant and we started taking slight deviations away from that center, that core that was pure real kind of like childlike love that's so safe and free we took slight deviations away from that like incremental little micro tears little micro paper cuts to our uh, relationship and if anyone has experienced anything like this you know that you don't just like wake up one day and you're like i'm unhappy i hate my relationship i want out it's little decisions every single day that make you more distant from your partner, from your center, and then the center of your relationship. And so that was what was happening to us. And I think that this is really common for a lot of people who get married maybe in their 20s and they're figuring themselves out as individuals. And the relationship, for whatever reason, doesn't really allow for that growth and expansion and that freedom to be like, hey, I don't quite know who I am yet, because that's what a lot of our 20s is, is figuring out who am I in the world? What's my purpose? Where am I at? What do I believe? What do I want? What are my desires for my life? And so that was, you know, we were both like trying to figure that out, but we had each other in this tiny box of who we thought the other person was. And when you step outside of that and you don't have confidence and love for yourself, it's really hard to extend that to your partner to, Hey, yeah, I support you figure out who you are and I'm going to love whatever version shows up for you. Cause I'm doing the same. There was none of that. So, um, long story short, um, we separated and divorced in 2016 and it was like mourning a death um i I, it was mostly initiated by me because i was really really unhappy and i thought that the key to my happiness was to remove myself from the relationship from chase as if he was the issue as if he was the problem and of course i know now that is absolutely not true there was so much trauma programming and limiting beliefs inside myself 
that I hadn't addressed, you know, childhood wounds and things like that, that I didn't know how to navigate. And then I projected it onto him as if he was the problem. Mm-hmm. And it's also very common for a lot of people to not really know, like, what is the root of this issue? It's not the other person. Yeah. Usually yeah. it's usually coming from in here. And we think that by distancing ourselves from the other person, that magically our problems are going to go away. And over the course of the next three years, as we were split up, I realized that that was absolutely not true. That (laughs) these same patterns were still coming up with other relationships that I was in. I didn't know how to express my authentic feelings. I had no tools for confident and clear communication in a way that didn't emasculate my partner. And I also didn't have any sort of connection to the divine, I'll say, like whatever that means to you (laughs) as the listener. If you don't have any sort of connection to something that is bigger than yourself, it's really hard not to be just in your tiny box of whatever your experience of life is. And we had none of that in our relationship. And then as a single woman, I started to really like peel back layers of like, okay, that's clearly not how you do it. How do you do it right? And so I jumped into podcasts and books and live events and church and, you know, new friend groups and Bible study. And I was still very much in the the Christian world. Um, And so I was searching for all these answers, like, how do you do it? How do you do it? And just fully opening myself up to, I don't know anything and I'm here to learn. I'm a sponge right now. I just want to expand, but it doesn't happen overnight. It takes, it took me um, about three years to get to a place where I felt some level of balance in my life. And then (laughs) um, organically, Chase and I, he had gone through a very similar type experience of spiritual epiphanies and soul searching and work on himself that kind of, we were both kind of grooming ourselves to attract each other back in. And I'm fully aware that this is like not a common uh, situation. Like I'm not encouraging that, Oh, just work on yourself and you can get back together with your ex but that's what happened for us is that we, we are actually, our souls are united. All, our souls are meant to be together. Um, and we needed to, to basically explore ourselves before we could fully show up for the other person. But that's what happened. And we are now going on three years of this beautiful part two, as I call it, as we call it. And we've both taken um, extreme, you know, career changes and everything. Like I don't, I don't, I'm not a dental hygienist anymore. I host the medicine podcast where we talk about conscious relationships supported by conscious lifestyle. Um, And I also am obviously uh, creating a a course for women called Deep Love. And um, yeah, so that's, that's where I'm at. And that's kind of the journey to how I got to where I am today. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I, I love that you two were able to, I mean, obviously the love you had for each other was something that was very real because even in the time that you were apart from each other, you still gravitated back to each other. So does that mean you're legally married still? 
or no, we we legally divorced. We we like to say that we are happily divorced and in love. Like oh. we're still we're still divorced, and I don't know if we will get remarried. Um, maybe for like tax purposes or something like that, if it makes sense. But um, no, we're 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 not married. Oh my gosh. Well, I think it's really important that you touched on the fact that in relationships, a lot of times we evolve. Like, I think that's what humankind is. We're constantly evolving. We're constantly trying to get to that ideal version of ourselves. Um, but some people get stuck in the trauma and the wounding and the programming and the, like, somebody come save me mindset, which is really hard to live in. Because if one person's like, I'm going to do the growth, I'm going to change this. Mm -hmm. I don't like waking up every day and feeling like this. I know I'm meant for more. I know that there's a bigger purpose for me. And then your partner isn't there. That's, that's really hard. But the fact that you both found that is incredible. I think I, I read a quote a long time ago about, it was, it was like, oh, sorry. Oh, no, no. <laughs> My sister. Um, I read a quote a long time ago about, it was a, a guy, he said, I've been married to like seven different versions of my wife. And at the time I didn't really understand it. But now as I look back and my husband and I have been married for four years, I'm like, I'm a completely different person than I was when we got married. And I, I like myself more mm -hmm. now, but I'm like, yeah. can you keep up? <laughs> yeah, right. That's a good thing, right? We're supposed to change. If you're 60 years old and you're still basically the same person as you were when you're 16, like that's probably not great. Yes. Right. I feel like that's what humanity is. It's constant evolution and it's, be. bringing awareness to different parts of yourself and rewiring mm -hmm. your subconscious brain and figuring out why you operate the way you do because nothing is a coincidence i mean the way that i explode on my kids that came from people exploding on me when i was younger you know like there's just so many things that we don't even realize that come into play in our lives and in our relationships and also to touch on that a lot of the way that our partners can operate to us are the way that was modeled to them. So mm -hmm. can you talk about what consciousness is just to start? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, put very, very simply being conscious, that's kind of a word that's being thrown around uh, quite a bit as sort of like a buzzword, but the word conscious just means to become aware or to be aware. And in relationship, you, you said it beautifully. It's not just being reactionary. It's taking a step back almost as like an observer of the situation sort of objectively and keeping in mind, okay, there's a reason why I do everything. And there's a reason why my partner does everything that he or she does. What is that reason? What is it rooted in? Is there a way that maybe I could shift it or choose something different? And it's usually it, it comes in stages and um, I'll go through these stages quickly, but you know, the journey to consciousness or becoming conscious is, is never truly done unless you're Jesus or Buddha and you're, you know, levitating. But there's this, uh, in any sort of learning experience or becoming aware, there is the these four levels of 
consciousness. And the first one is unconsciously incompetent, meaning you don't know what you don't know. I have, I had, when I got married, I had no idea what I didn't know. I didn't know that I was completely unprepared for marriage. Otherwise I probably wouldn't have done it. So then the next stage is sort of becoming aware that you don't know. So that's conscious incompetence being like, okay, clearly that's not how you do it. I wonder how you do it right. So then the next stage is conscious competence, meaning, okay, I I've picked up some tools and I'm practicing it. It's not second nature yet, but I, I really want to learn how to do this right. And so you're in the flow of practicing. And so like in relationship, that's, you know, picking up new tools, it's taking a course, it's reading a book. It's like, okay, I have the tools now. I want to put them into practice. And then the last stage um, is unconscious competence meaning that it's second nature to you and you've practiced it so many times that it just flows, whether this is learning a new skill, learning a new language, or if it's you know applying new relationship tools to your partnership to create the experience and the deep love that you want in your life. So when you're going through these stages, um, it's really important to kind of know where you're at and to, to be grateful for the process. A lot of times we want to go from unconsciously incompetent straight to unconsciously competent and, and you can't skip the other steps. So it, a lot of consciousness, whether that's in our career, in our spirituality, in our relationship is going through these different levels and, and really being present and having gratitude for whatever stage you're at, knowing that each stage has value. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And what I start thinking about is how we live in such a world of instant gratification, like Insta gratification, where we can get on TikTok and it literally reads our mind. And we're like, oh, I was looking for the recipe for that. And then it pops up. We live in that kind of world right now. So when it comes to something like actually doing the work and giving yourself grace to grow and evolve and try and fail a lot of people that's where they just quit because if you go out and you try something once and you fail miserably like you suck at it people a lot of people aren't going to do it again because it it makes them feel internally like that's who they are they suck so i think it's really important to remember that when you do become what was the second one when you realize that you're wait consciously incompetent yes consciously incompetent that's when you really have to have grace for yourself and yeah remember that you don't know what you don't know you did the best at the time with the knowledge you had and then i think a big problem after you're consciously incompetent is the self-sabotage when you get to the third because i think people what they do is they realize that they're okay, this is my shortcoming. This is, you know, kind of why it's happening. And then I'm going to give you an example. So like on social media, Mimi was talking to me about this right before we got on. She was like, I feel like ever since you posted that one thing about the vaccine that you all of a sudden like, were like, fuck it, I don't care. And then like you showed up way more powerfully. And she's not the first person that said that to me. So it really has been like, okay, like, see, you're, you're kind of on the right track. So what I used to do is I used to be really afraid to show up on social media, for example because I didn't want to get canceled. I was very afraid of cancel culture, even though I am not 
for cancel culture at all, but that thought still lingered in my head. So once I got to the point where I was like, okay, I need to post, I need to show up and be myself and be vulnerable and authentic and all these buzzwords. Um, I would have pieces of limiting beliefs and negative self-talk and excuses come through my mind and be like, oh, you shouldn't do that because of X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. And so that's where a lot of people, I think, get stuck in self-sabotage is because, or they get this idea, they get excited about it, they want to do it, they're like, okay, I'm ready to change, and then the doubt starts creeping in. What I would recommend and what I've been doing that's helped me a lot is to take that excuse that negative limiting belief whatever it is and use that as your fuel to do it like if you get that thought that means you have to do it i yeah. just hold on to that what do you think what's a great way to when you're in like the second third stage what's a good way to help prevent yourself from self-sabotaging when you do have that awareness i think that's a, a great question um i would say that it's an epidemic the um, disconnection from us and our intuition. I think a lot of people just like instant gratification or opening up your phone and your phone's been listening to you and they give you the ad that, that you need and you're like, oh my gosh, this is perfect. It worked out. You didn't have to do any like thinking or searching. And I think that that can cripple us sometimes. It can really disconnect us from our intuition. Another example is just outsourcing your truth or your uh, opinions to what you see maybe on the TV or social media or your parents or whoever, rather than checking in with yourself and asking, what's my lived experience? What are my direct observations? What am I actually going through in my life that could inform my decisions right now. And I think the more that we do that in the small instances, like this sounds silly, but I ask, I call it my soul. Um, some could call it intuition. Some maybe could call it the Holy spirit working through you, but I call it my soul. It's basically like not the thinker of my thoughts, but the observer of the thoughts. And we all have that. And, and if we can tune into that piece of us, like what shows up for me when I'm in the most balanced level, grounded state, not when I'm emotionally charged by what I saw on social media, not in the middle of a fight with my partner, but when I am grounded and I can, I can directly observe that observer of the thoughts, my soul, what is it telling me? Whether it's a, a silly example, like should I be eating this way? Like that's a, a you know, maybe a, a trivial example, maybe not so trivial for some people, but also, in, and then, you know, is this person in alignment with the values that I have for what I want to create in a relationship? Like big decisions like that. The more that you get in tune on a daily basis with your intuition, one, the less you'll have that crippling doubt come in because you already have proven to yourself that you trust yourself, that you are able to make good decisions. Maybe it doesn't always go the way that you plan, but there's always learning involved. And so I think getting in touch with your intuition on a regular and frequent basis, even in the small things, prepares your nervous system to trust yourself in bigger decisions. Preach. 
Oh my gosh. Okay. So the other day, so I believe in God and I was at church and they were doing like the announcements and somebody, or they have somebody on there that's talking. And my husband looked over at me and he was like, you should do that. And I was like, yeah, I should. Two years ago, if you would have told me that, I would have been like, absolutely not. No way. No, I don't want to, I'd be so embarrassed. But I think a lot of my confidence as of lately has come from me trusting my intuition. And that meant me getting, getting, wow, getting really loud and uncomfortable about that feeling inside of us. Because you're right, not trusting our intuition, that's something that corporate mainstream media does not want you to do. They don't want you to trust your intuition. Um, Mm -hmm. Certain bought off people do not want you to trust your intuition. Social media does not want you to trust your intuition. Culture and society does not want you to trust your intuition. Um, Certain humans just in general don't want you to trust your intuition. And that is something that is God given to you. Like you have an internal knowing and internal guidance that not even science can compete with. That it's, it's so insane to me let's, let's just dive right into the vaccine. It's so insane to me that with the vaccine, for example, that if somebody like me is like the thought of getting that makes me, my stomach literally drop. It makes me feel really uncomfortable to get it. The thought that people can be like, well, you're a science denier because my intuition is like, it really does not sit right with me. That that blows my mind that people can say that people outside of you can tell you mm-hmm. that you should not be trusting your intuition. Like, yeah, not in the world. Yeah, I mean, it's like saying like, no, I really, really don't like grapefruit. I, I, it really like, I, I don't, I don't, I can't explain it. I just, I hate it. I don't like it. My mouth does not like it. My taste buds don't want it. It's like someone saying like, you're lying. That is not true. Like you just need to eat the grapefruit because it's good for you. And I realize that's like a very trivial example, but sometimes when you are, when you are connected to your intuition or your soul, there is this sort of noetic sense. What I mean by that is you don't know how, you know, but you just know, like certainly we've all experienced that, like sort of like it's been matrixed into your mind where you're like, you know, Neo wakes up and he's like, I know Kung Fu. I don't know how I know Kung Fu, but I know it. That's what intuition is like. And for someone who does not follow their intuition, I've gotten to the place where I have to express and and really practice empathy, knowing that we all have this. We all have this connection to the divine, to your soul, to your intuition. We all have it. Every human intuition does not discriminate, but it's a muscle. It has to be practiced. It has to be flexed and it has to be worked like anything else. And there are plenty of people who have no connection to their intuition, or maybe their intuition is telling them something completely different. And I have to respect that. What I ask for in return is that you respect mine. Amen. (laughs) Right. Like, I, I genuinely want to get one of those bumper stickers <laughs> that says coexist, like coexist yeah. with all the different, I'm not going to, yeah. but with all the different humans on the earth, whether they believe in God or not, whether they believe in Buddha, whether they trust their intuition or not, whether they 
uh, voted for this person or not. Like we are all such different human beings. And that is the most fascinating thing in the world is that the way we are and the lens we see the world through is shaped by literally everything that we have been through in our lives, where you yes. lived, who your neighbors were, who your parents were, who your grandparents were, whether you had a re close relationship with them or not, your socioeconomic status, the culture you lived in, the school, like everything. I could go on and on and on. Mm -hmm. Every single fiber of you is based on what you've been through. And it's, it's so important to remember that your intuition is there for you. And it's the one number one thing that's never going to steer you wrong. So for the people who are listening and maybe they're like, okay, well, I want to tr try trusting my intuition, try this thing. What's the first step? Like, what does it feel like? What's the, what's going to be the ringer that goes off? Like this is your intuition talking to you. Yeah. So I think sometimes intuition gets confused with maybe um, fear or programming where you just feel this intense feeling inside of you or vibration inside of you and you just label it as your intuition. But um, the way that I feel it in my body <clears throat> is it's sort of like the difference between um, the difference between when you're on like the ramp up a roller coaster and you're excited but you're you're kind of like okay i know something is coming but you're you're still in that excited phase versus when something is totally off it feels like or when you feel say um a gut punch when you feel like you did something wrong and you maybe feel guilty or shameful and it, you feel it more like in your your solar plexus, your, your kind of your gut. That's like, Oh, I didn't, that was not good. I shouldn't have done that. Or like, I wish I would have done something else, or it feels sort of lowering. It feels like it's maybe bringing you down a little bit versus like feeling that lift up where when you're, when you're have two outcomes and you're like, should I do this or should I do this? really paying attention to, and this gets better with practice. Do I feel that roller coaster sense where there may be still a little bit of anxiety, but it's almost like mixed. It's almost meshed enmeshed with excitement. Um, or this other thing that feels like mm, I'm getting like a lowering effect. And I know that that can sound sort of like woo or, um, you know, uh, esoteric, but that's what it feels like for me. I don't know if that's what everyone's experience is, but if I am asking my soul, should I eat this? Should I make this? Should I create this course? And if I feel an uplifting effect, like, yeah, yeah, that, that sounds good. I may not have it all figured out, but I feel uplifted in a way that's, I think, uh, a yes from your intuition. <clears throat> um, so that, I think that that's where some people can start is you can start with small questions. Um, like my, one of my teachers is, is Paul check. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's, uh, incredible. And he talks to his soul every day. And this is where I've gotten really comfortable with this, where you can actually ask your soul or your intuition, show me what it feels like show me what a yes feels like in my body. 
and pay really close attention to what vibrations, what you actually feel in your body. Do you feel it in your throat? Do you feel it, you know, here? Do you feel it in your heart space? Do you feel it, you know, do you feel grounded to the, to the ground? Like, okay, this is grounding for me. Then ask and ask three times, show me a yes, show me a yes, show me a yes. And then you do the same thing with no. Show me what a no feels like in my body. Show me what a no feels like in my body. It sounds so simple, but this is where bio-individuality comes in for all of us. My soul is not the same as your soul, is not the same as her soul, is not the same as his soul. We're all different and we're all here for different experiences. And like you said, we have so much in our past that is informing our decisions and trauma and programming and this and that, that we have to navigate that our soul has to like work through yours is completely different than mine. So that's how I would say anyone listening can develop that muscle is literally ask your soul, show me a yes, show me a no. Yes. I think to add to that, another great way to start paying attention to what you actually want, like even make the way like, clear anything that may be blocking it is start journaling. And I know people hate, some people hate journaling, but when you are able to free the thoughts, the feelings, the emotions that are trapped inside you at every level, you're going to start seeing things more clearly. So if you have been thinking for days and days about how this person's comment on social media really made me feel anxious and you put it onto paper, that's like freeing your body of it literally freeing your body of it. And then you give yourself more room to be able to understand what you really want, maybe why that emotion is there, um, how you're going to move forward from it, what you're going to do differently next time, how you're going to take care of yourself. There's so many different things that we do in life where we just, we just are kind of like on autopilot going with the ropes, you know, life is just happening and we're just here and it doesn't have to be like that. We are, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is so cool that we are all different human beings. We're so individual that we all have so many different paths. And then we meet along the way. For example, Mimi and I met from a mutual friend on Instagram and this is our second podcast together. And if I had not been friends with her name's Morgan, I love you, Morgan. Love if you, I had Morgan. not been friends with Morgan through however we met, then I wouldn't have met Mimi. And Mimi and I connected because we're both, I I don't know if I want to say like woo-woo, but we're both very intuitive, um, spiritual. Is that how you would put yourself? I think we're both um, philosophical. Like we go deep. We think very deeply. Some people don't and that's okay. But if you do want to start trusting your intuition, you have to start working on it. Like she said, it's a muscle. It's, it can be uncomfortable at first, especially if you're going down this other path and your intuition's like, what are you doing? Like you're backwards. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's just so many levels to it. So taking, I wrote this down when you were talking a little bit earlier about intuition and boundaries. So I want to give you an example and then tell me what you think would be the best word way to work through it. Because I think this is something that's common that people deal with. So you start trusting your intuition. You have this really good, like best friend, right? But you've been working on yourself. You're kind of growing. And then your friend is stuck and they're trying to bring you back down and they're trying to pull you. You love them dearly so much, but you just know at this point, like you are in a different space. What does that look like with still loving that person, but having the boundaries and trusting your intuition? Yeah, I think that 
there's been a lot of opportunity for people to either grow closer to certain individuals and certain relationships over the last two years because there is so much in our world that is so divisive and um if you know a relationship is more superficial based on what you do to do for me and what i do for you more like transactional what do you give me what do you provide me that's worth sticking around for versus unconditional love that lexi e even if you and i think differently even if you decide to get the jab and i don't want to i still love you as a person so there's a lot of like situations over the last uh two years where this has like really been pushed into people's faces sorry <laughs> and um, so I think that this is a really relevant question and something that, yeah, like a lot of people are navigating for sure. Um, boundaries specifically, I think one is understanding the first step with boundaries is not to punish the other person, but it's to love and protect yourself. If you don't love and protect yourself, your energy, and your dreams, like where you want to go in life, then who is, who is going to protect you? Who is going to take care of you, right? Maybe your partner can help, but it's not their responsibility. It shouldn't be. Yeah. So one, I think is really understanding that like not having guilt associated with it. I've had, I won't get into the details, but like very recent opportunities where I'm realizing like this relationship is never probably never going to be close again. And it's not because I'm judging this person. It's not because I hate them. It's because I know that where I want to go is here. I want to go up. Mm -hmm. And if I'm being, if I'm feeling pulled down by someone's energy, maybe the way that they speak, maybe their relationship with their partner or whatever it is, you know, you, if that's being affected and that's not where you want to go, then you it's basically like if you understand the basics of like masculine and feminine dynamic and masculine and feminine energy in all of us like we're all we all like live on a spectrum of masculine energy and feminine energy there is a point where what does that look like masculine and feminine really quick for people who don't yeah. know so masculine it's this um this dynamic of yin and yang black and white opposites right like one has to like they're relative one can't exist without the other it puts things into perspective so masculine and feminine masculine would be consciousness stillness that which does not change direct be like speaking about humans it's direct it's blunt it is stable it's steady it's trustworthy right mm -hmm. and then the feminine would be all of the opposite uh attributes so it's that which flows it's ever-changing it's seasonal it's cyclical it's sometimes violent it's sometimes serene it's everything that flows so this could be sensuality sexuality it could be mood like anything that changes has a feminine nature to it and all men and women have both masculine and feminine energies in different variations right in different proportions i love that so my partner chase has a masculine essence so he is more trustworthy instead i'm not saying i'm not trustworthy but <laughs> his nature is to be trustworthy steadfast blunt 
a pillar of strength, right? He also has feminine qualities. He has an emotional side and it's, it's, it's balanced, but the masculine still outweighs the feminine, even though both are present. And for me, I'm more flowy and, and um, more, I would say less still and stagnant and steady and I just bring more feminine qualities. I love touch and love and connection and movement and all of that. So we're, we're able to complement each other. All that to say, we both, we all have these masculine and feminine energies inside of us and setting a boundary is your masculine part of you taking care of your feminine part of you. The feminine part being the one that wants connection and love and, oh, but I feel bad. She's my friend. And like, I, I just love her. We have this past and I, I don't want to mess that up. Like this emotional pull, right? Mm-hmm. The masculine side says is sort of removed from the emotion of it and is looking at it objectively saying, this person is not in alignment with where we want to go. Therefore, I'm going to set up a boundary to protect us. So this concept of your masculine energy taking care of your feminine energy, it's what we also talk about in relationship. The masculine is the one holding the container for the feminine to share her authentic feelings and share her heart. And he is stable and grounded and he can take her emotion, right? Like Mm -hmm. sometimes... That's the reason why we're getting off on a a little tangent here. That's the reason why sometimes all she needs is a hug. All she really needs to feel like, okay, I can breathe, is just for her man to hold her. That's energetically and physically. He's holding her body. He's containing her. And he's also containing her energy and what he's what he's telling her with that is, I got you, I got us, you're safe. So that's ultimately what we can do for ourselves is recognizing like, okay, there's this feminine aspect of me that wants connection and feels bad and feels this emotional pull, but my masculine energy inside of me comes in and says, we love you kindly, lovingly. No, we're gonna protect us. Yeah. And I think if you can get on that level, if you can, um, it's not a flip of a switch, but if you can look at it that way, that my masculine needs to take care of my feminine right now. I think that that's a way that people can approach setting boundaries from a place of I'm doing this out of love for myself, not hate or dislike for the other person. Yeah. Because it's not that I don't love you, but it's, this isn't the place that I'm going. If I, I need to protect myself, the, the visual that I got when you were talking about this, I don't know why, but it was like a 1950s housewife. I'm thinking, um, Mad Men, even though Donald Draper, he was not a great example or near, nor was Betty, but I just think of like a inside the home, the, the housewife, you know, the feminine, like cooks, cleans, emotion, vent, and then the man opens the door and he's the one who's like, he, he's the one in control. Like, you're not going to cross this space. This is our boundary. This is our line. Um, that, that's just the visual that came to my head, but I've never, you broke that down in the way that was so digestible. Like, I think a lot of people struggle with 
that those two sides of like masculine and feminine because they didn't understand it. So the way you described it was amazing. Like if you want to get where you're going, you have to have that two sides of you. You have to embrace the sweet, soft side of you, but you also have to have that firm, hold your boundaries. Like don't fuck with me side of you. Um, yeah. I mean, it's really like um, another example, another like visual people can, can take into their life is think about a river, right? The, the river bank is the stability. It's the container for the river that is flowing. The river is changing and flowing. It rises, it falls. It is sometimes crazy and sometimes soft. And if you don't have, like, you don't have one without the other. If you don't have the riverbank, then the water just goes everywhere and it's a flood. If you don't have the river, then all you have is dirt, ground. There is no there is no movement. There is no changing. There is nothing. It's just isolated. Um, so that's another way to think about it. Um, another way is thinking about it as fire. Like the feminine is the fire. It's moving. It's changing. It has the ability to warm and to create, but it also has the ability to be destructive if it's not properly contained. And the container, the stone basin that the, the fire goes into is the masculine. That is not changing. It's stable. It's contained. And one cannot be without the other. Oh, I love that so much. I feel so much more at peace hearing you say that. Does anybody else? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So before we wrap this up, let's just dive into like we can just go straight to the freaking as deep as the deepest part of the ocean how can we start becoming more conscious in the relationships that we have currently and the relationships that we are going to have as we meet people naturally yeah i mean there's so much to that i literally created a course <laughs> called deep love you know, talking about this whole thing. How do we go deeper? How do we become more conscious in our relationships? And I would say it has to start with me. It has to start with you as an individual. We cannot get into relationship work. We cannot deepen our relationships without also deepening our relationship with ourselves first. Amen. So the first step in like my deep love course is approaching self-love come up from a completely different angle. Self-love, self-care is thrown around as like a spa day or a pedicure or a massage. Um, but like that's, is that actual self-love or is that pampering? What is self-love? I'll give you an example really quick. Yesterday, my version of self-love was not eating the sweets that I wanted because I know that does not help me get my goals. Go on. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so uh, the way that we approach it in my course first, this first pillar of how to get go deeper into myself and partnership is really understanding self-love as self-knowledge. And going back way to the beginning when I was talking about, there's a reason why we do everything. There's a reason why I have a tendency to suppress my feelings. There's a reason why I have a tendency when I don't feel free and safe to become secretive. There's all these different reasons, these unlovable parts of ourselves that we hate. 
I hate that I always do that in a relationship. I hate that I lose my temper. I hate that I respond this way. Whatever it is that feels unlovable to us, where it's like, well, I'm not going to love that part of myself. It's not worthy. It's not whatever, X, Y, Z. If we approach that actual love as self-knowledge where, okay, I'm, I'm going to ask the question of what is that rooted in? If we're talking about a, a real life example, I mentioned that I have a tendency to suppress, and I think a lot of women do, suppress my authentic feelings because I don't want to be too much. I don't want to seem silly or dumb, or I don't want to be a burden to my partner by sharing my authentic feelings. So I will suppress them. I used to, not anymore, because now I know that that, that tendency of suppression is rooted from childhood being a child of uh, six siblings in a evangelical Christian home where my dad really didn't, the, the home did not facilitate, hey, let's talk about our feelings. Let's talk about how you're really feeling about this particular thing. I, I was taught and it was instilled in, in me that you need to be a good little girl and not cause a commotion. And that was instilled in me over my entire childhood. Being the youngest, I really just, I just wanted to be seen and I didn't want to distance myself from the rest of the family by being disruptive. So I would suppress what I was feeling. And that carries over, that tendency carries over into our relationships. So then I get into marriage and I don't, I hate that my husband is traveling five days a week and I feel like we're growing more distant and more distant. And I don't feel like we're pouring into each other though, the, the way that we could be. And I didn't know how to explain that. I didn't, I didn't have the tools. Yes. But I also was like, oh, I just need to fix it. I just need to push it down. I just need to push it down. Right. And so I think if we can look at these unlovable parts of ourselves, it's easy to love the achievement oriented. It's easy to love the beautiful parts of ourselves. It's easy to love what we put on Instagram. Mm -hmm. It's a lot harder to love the pieces of ourselves that feel unlovable. But what if we just knew where those were rooted? Like what was the root cause? Let's go upstream. Just like a child who acts out in a classroom. If the teacher has any level of um, conscious awareness, they might ask themselves, I wonder what's going on at home that would cause that child to act out in that way. They don't just automatically hate that child, right? They're able to really dig a little deeper and be like, where is this rooted? It, there's got to be something that's going on at home. And then it, it allows you to have a different level of empathy for yourself and compassion for yourself. So you don't immediately go from, I hate this about myself to, I love this about myself, but there is a middle ground of understanding where it's rooted and having compassion and empathy for that little version of yourself that had to get by, get through and feel loved by her family by suppressing her feelings. Man, that's so much easier to love that little version of myself that made that a habit rather than the 24 year old version of myself that wasn't able to communicate to my husband properly. Do you see the difference? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there totally is a, there's a huge difference there. It's, I think it, 
something that you mentioned a few times was going back to the root and in anything i feel like that is the key i think in 2022 that's my biggest hope for everybody is that they go to the root um they go to the root of maybe why they don't feel as confident as they want to they go to the root of maybe why their business isn't as successful as they wanted why their relationships aren't working the way that they want them to I think when we really get curious about ourselves and start discovering ourselves, that's when the magic and the breakthroughs happen. And that's when we can really have those deep, fulfilling relationships. But it's like the airplane, when you're on an airplane and they say, put your oxygen mask on first before you help other people. You can't expect other people to save you. You can't expect other people to be the one that's going to pull you out of your own self-wallowing shit. Like you have to put your feet on the ground, stand up go inside, mm -hmm. dig deep and figure out what the heck it is. Because like you said in the beginning, it's so easy for us to just project onto other people. Like if I feel unworthy or unloved, then I'm going to go tell my husband, you're making me feel like I'm not worthy or loved. But what mm -hmm. inside me is making me feel like that? You know, like, again, we can't happen to, we can't control what happens to us all the time, but we can control ourselves and what we put out into the world. So I think that's really important. And the course that you have coming out is going to be amazing, game-changing, mind-blowing. Can you talk more about exactly what that is for the people? Who yes. Talk? Yeah. So it's called Deep Love. I mentioned it a few times now, and it's a live experience, meaning that it's not a go at your own pace type of course. It's a, we're going to be like, I'm going to be live on Zoom just like this with the group of women. And uh, we're going to be going through it together. Um, and so I have, you know, content to go through. It's, a, it's an eight week journey. And um, so we'll be meeting live and we'll be talking through uh, different concepts. Um, we're going to be going through these different. Oh my God. It's so popular. Oh, why? Okay. I ignored it. Sorry. No, it's okay. Um, so we're going to be going through four pillars of how to establish a deeper connection, really deep love with ourself and our partner. And I already went over, you know, a little bit of the first pillar, which is self-love as self-knowledge. And then we're also going to touch on, um, not just touch, but go deep into then health, healthy and effective communication tools. We're going to go into devotion to love. Like how do we practice this on a, in a, in a real way? Like, real live everyday tools, not just airy fairy, like esoteric stuff, but how do we actually do the shit? How do we navigate really difficult conversations? How do we share our authentic feelings without emasculating our partner, without disempowering our partner? And then we also, the fourth pillar is a connection to the divine, whatever that looks like for you. It's a, a deeper connection to the beauty that is in everything and and that's a, a really short version but um those those four pillars is what we're going to be talking about and of course there's so much in all of those um to really unpack but the the goal is to really help women step into more safety freedom and confidence to acquire the tools necessary to really experience this conscious, deep, healthy, passionate partnership. It's not just, okay, how do we have difficult conversations? It's also 
how do we understand more about the masculine and feminine energies and how they play together and how I can use them in my life and in my relationships to get the spark back? Like, you know, what I hear from a lot of women is we feel like roommates or the spark is gone or he doesn't grab my ass anymore or whatever it is. They, they feel like that spark that brought them together that was so palpable in the beginning is like gone. Where did it go? Did he just like lose interest in me? And so we, we unwrap that, why that happens in relationship and how to really get the spark back um, and how to um, understand what goes into that more in the masculine and feminine dynamic. So, um, and then there's also going to be, aside from the, um, the eight weeks of live calls, there's also going to be two deep dive Q and A's where me and my partner Chase come on and we're doing, we open up the floor for people to really ask specific questions like, okay, this is going on what would you guys do? Or how do I approach this? What do I say? What if my partner X, Y, Z? And so I, I really, I'm so happy that he wants to make a little cameo and provide the balanced masculine point of view, because I think sometimes it's really easy to stay siloed and to stay stuck in our little experience of you know, seeing it from my point of view or the feminine point of view. Most women are have a feminine essence. And so to get that masculine point of view is so valuable. So uh, there's two calls with him and then, you know, joining a, a community of women who are also committed to this deep work. You're learning from each other, which is really wonderful too, um, because everyone has different experiences and what I'm going through or what you're going through in your relationship may not translate to someone else's relationship right now, but maybe in a year or maybe in two, or maybe they're not married yet, but it, you know, they get married in the future and now, oh my gosh, now it clicks. Oh my gosh, now it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so they've heard other people's perspectives and stories and um, experiences, and you can kind of take that and put it in your tool belt for later. Mm, I love that. So when does it start? Yes. So it launches, uh, we start on Feb Sunday, February 20th, 2022. Um, and so it's going to be, it's going to be, um, Sunday afternoons. I tried to pick a time that no matter if you, you know, if you work full time, um, that, that people could still attend and then it'll also be recorded. So if you miss one or if you have plans or whatever, it'll be recorded and you can, you can still access the material anytime you want. Oh my gosh. I think that this is going to be life-changing and groundbreaking and there could not be a more perfect time to start than in the beginning of 2022, because you have, right. this is when everybody's like really energized and ready to change their life. And by committing yeah. to something like that, where it actually, you have that accountability, you have that community of people who just get it. I think that is amazing. So if you are interested in joining this, I will link everything to join in the show notes below. If you are on TikTok watching right now, where can they find you to work with you or just follow along? Yeah. So our podcast is called the medicine podcast. So M E D I C I N. So there's no E on the end. So right away, you know, it's a different type of medicine that we're talking about. Um, so our website is the medicine 
www.jennifermorrison.com and you can access everything from there. You can get to my Instagram, you can get to the course waitlist, you can get to the podcast, everything. So if you go to themedicine.com, you can read more about our story if you want, um, but I would send people there. And then if you're on Instagram, my handle is Mimi underscore the medicine. Amazing. I am so excited to see the transformation that you provide people. Um, if you don't follow her on Instagram, you should. She also talks about medicinal mushrooms, the perks of those, but also conscious relationships. So she's really, really deep into all of this. And she's the perfect, perfect example of what health in the mind, body, spiritual realm looks like. So, um, Thank you guys for listening. We're going to hop off and answer some TikTok questions. Um, so bye. Thank you so much for joining us in the lounge. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave some love in the reviews. If you want to join me in a self-love course, click the link below in the show notes. Next week, I'm chatting with Tree about the subconscious mind. And you guys, this one is fire. Do not miss it. I will see you next week.